if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we are underway on this Friday, a free-for-all Friday for a good portion of the show today. I do have two guests, but we have a couple of, uh, actually about four open segments for your phone calls, and I invite you to talk about anything and everything that is going on in this chaotic time right now in this country, in this city, in this state. 216 So it is a Friday, the 15th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord 2021, and we are going to uh, make things happen today. Coming up in about a half an hour, we're going to talk with Daniel Horowitz. It's been a while since we've talked to Daniel, who's been doing incredible research and work on what is going on to steal the First Amendment rights from countless American citizens. We're going to talk to him about that. I gave you an analogy uh, a few days ago, if you were listening, to the 250-pound heavyweight boxer being scared of the 100-pound woman that he's supposed to fight, so much so that he has to hire his band of motorcycle, uh, his motorcycle gang friends to hold her down uh, while he punches her. And while that's a really graphic image, he did it for a reason. Because the 250-pound boxer with the motorcycle gang is Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, Google. And they're holding down a little defenseless uh, and really you know, harmless uh, individual like Parler. And as such, tens of millions of Parler users like you and me all to silence dissent. And that silence is only being encouraged even more so now by elected Democrat officials, not just big tech oligarchs, but big uh, elected officials. Big government is is what I'm looking for, for there. So Daniel Horowitz at 935, going to talk about that. Also, coming up in the second hour of the program at 1035, we're going to talk to a retired Cleveland police detective named Rick Maruniak. Rick has written a book called God Doesn't Need a Badge. And it is filled with the inspiring stories of his time working as a Cleveland police detective and SWAT team member and some of the amazing cases that he was able to solve simply through prayer. He believes that God is literally performing miracles on a regular basis and helping um, you know, individuals like him who are trying to help other people. 
um, through revealing things that just in no way, shape, or form can be explained other than miraculous. So God Doesn't Need a Badge by Rick Maruniak. That'll be coming up at uh, uh, 1035 this morning. So I want to start today uh, by following up a little bit on yesterday. I will say this about my interview with Anthony Gonzalez, which, um, you know, it's been flying all over the Internet. And a lot of people, particularly people in Anthony Gonzalez's district, that's Ohio 16, um, livid with him, livid for his decision to cast a vote with the Democrats in the House of Representatives, along with nine other Republicans, to impeach Donald Trump without um, even so much as the benefit of due process. Due process that is required both constitutionally and congressionally. Due process was denied the president. They went ahead and ran uh, and conducted a vote with no evidentiary hearings, no witnesses presenting uh, testimony to refute any of the allegations of incitement of insurrection, which is what they used. Um, None of the standard operating procedures were followed, like I said, either congressionally nor uh, constitutionally. And while you expect the liberal Democrats who have been anti-Trump from the start, when you expect liberal Democrats who tried to impeach Donald Trump on day one of his presidency, meaning quite literally January 20th, 2017, they started the impeachment process against him that found its way and meandered its way through a two-and-a-half-year witch hunt led by Robert Mueller, which was absolute garbage, which also snaked its way through a uh, an impeachment of President Trump over a phone call to Ukraine, which was also garbage, and now is culminating in we've got one last shot to impeach him, Who cares if he's leaving on Wednesday? We want to give him this going away present. We want to give him this double middle finger that says never come back. We want to impeach him on his way out the door. In fact, after he's already left the building, that's when the Senate trial will be conducted. We want to make sure that he knows he's never welcome back here again. You expect that from liberal Democrats because they started it four years ago, and technically the plans were starting to be put in place five years ago in the campaign, in the run-up to the 2016 election. And we know this from so many of the pieces of evidence that have been uncovered uh, from James Comey's corrupt FBI, including the paramours, Peter Strzok, writing his love notes to his his girlfriend, talking about how, is this going to stop? Is this going to, I mean, how are we going to stop him? Don't worry, we have an insurance plan in place, an insurance policy in place. That was the the impeachment plans. So they've been trying this for four or five years, and you expect it from them. You do not expect it from Republican representatives, like Anthony Gonzalez, who was sent to Washington, D.C., to stand up for the Constitution, who took a an oath. All of them took an oath. But again, I don't I don't I'm not surprised that the Democrats violate and break their oaths. But Anthony Gonzalez, a Republican, in a Republican district that was held for years by Jim Renacy, Anthony Gonzalez said, 
to heck with my oath, to heck with the Constitution, to heck with due process, I'm going to join the Democrats in rushing a speedy, non-researched, um, non-fact-bearing impeachment through the House of Representatives without that required constitutionally and congressionally required hearing uh, just to join the Democrats. Why? The responses I've gotten online over the last couple of days to that interview, well, let me rephrase, the last day since that interview, because it started yesterday morning at about this time. The responses I've got online are Anthony Gonzalez sees uh, gerrymandering in the state's future, districts being redrawn, and him being put into a position where the district he represents and will have to run for re-election and is going to have a lot more Democrats in it than, uh, than it does right now. Is he just in political uh, protective mode, making sure that the future constituents whose votes he will have to win to keep his seat in Washington, um, uh, you know, make sure that they're happy with him, that he can say, look, I voted to impeach Trump? I don't know. I don't. I literally don't know if this is what some people are speculating. For me, I think it's a little more direct and a little bit more simple. I think he, like many other Republicans who have bailed and abandoned Donald Trump, over this phony incitement to insurrection impeachment charge. It's more a matter of I have to virtue signal my disgust for Donald Trump in order to save myself from the cancel mob. Not just about winning a new election in a redrawn district, but the the left is canceling anybody who supports Donald Trump. That's why his camp cabinet members are fleeing before the uh, uh, the term ends on Wednesday. They want to say, I took a stand after Donald Trump incited that insurrection with a speech in which he told people to peacefully and patriotically go and cheer their senators. That terrible incitement to violence. Uh, I I took a principled stand and walked away. They think they will be saved from the cancel culture if they make an 11th hour, you know, deathbed confession. And that's what this looks like for so many of them. And I think Anthony Gonzalez is one of them. Trump is about to be out the door. There's no reason to feign loyalty to him now. Let's get in good with the cancel mob. Let's get in good with the cancel crowd and say, I voted to impeach Donald Trump. So you remember that. You remember that uh, when it comes time to make the lists. What lists? You know what lists. The black lists. There have been calls by liberal Democrat members of Congress to create lists and to make sure that the people who are on those lists, i.e., Trump supporters, Trump cabinet members, Trump volunteers, Trump campaigners, Trump appointees, doesn't matter. Trump voters in the uh, uh, in his defense in in the Ukrainian impeachment, anybody Trump is facing blacklisting. They're going to be put on a list and they are going to be canceled. Just yesterday, this story came out from the Washington Post. No shock. Eugene Robinson, who's just about as close to a communist uh, uh, member of the American media as you can possibly find, he goes beyond. He goes beyond just liberal. He goes beyond leftist. Honestly, he he has no belief or principle whatsoever in the Bill of Rights. 
He is a race baiter, and he is a Trump hater. And Eugene Robinson, for four years, has been calling Donald Trump a Nazi. He's been calling him a member of the KKK. He's been calling him uh, you know, racist and all the other things that you can think of. And he has lumped Trump supporters in with that. So much so that he wrote a column, and it was supported by New York Times Magazine's Nicole Hannah-Jones. And you may recall the name Nicole Hannah-Jones. She was one of the architects of the 1619 Project, that work of fiction that has been widely discredited, debunked, and destroyed because it is absolutely, even she and they had to admit, it's not really historical, it's just our narrative. Well, your narrative needs to be filed in the fiction section of American history, by the way. And for most people it is, but yet it's still finding its way to the curriculum of uh, of uh, American classrooms. But at any rate, Eugene Robinson and Nicole Hannah-Jones agree that millions of Americans, almost all of them white, almost all of them Republicans, need to be identified, deprogrammed, and punished before the country can move on to reconciliation. I wish... I was exaggerating that. I'm not. Those are quotes. Robinson said earlier this week on MSNBC, there are millions of Americans, almost all white, almost all Republicans, who somehow need to be deprogrammed. It's as if they are members of a cult, the Trumpist cult, and have to be deprogrammed, end quote. Do you have any idea how we start that process? He asked Hannah Nicole Jones, Of the 1619 Project, her response, there has to be consequences. And then once you get those consequences, people have to take a second look at their actions, and they have to be afraid to do the types of violence that we saw last week. What has long been the the case in this country, she said, is that we have wanted to quickly move on to reconciliation. We've always been afraid that if you actually punish those kinds of white nationalist elements in our society, it will only make things worse. But in fact, what history shows is not reacting, not forcing accountability, only emboldens those people and those movements, end quote. Now let that sink in for just a minute. They are calling for Trump supporters, including voters, to be punished and then to be re-educated, somehow deprogrammed from their Trumpist cult. Two quick replies to that. Number one, it's not a Trumpist cult, but we are cult members. We are cult members who believe in the United States of America and her constitution. We are cult members who will never, ever come off of the belief. Hold the music. We are, we are believers, cult members, if you want, who will never come off of our belief in the inherent goodness of this country and the constitutional capitalist foundational principles upon which this country was built. It was built as a source of good. It has existed and evolved into a source of good for people all around the world. We will never apologize for that, and there will be nothing that takes us away from that. You want to call us Trump cultists? No, we are American cultists. 
And I am proud to be in the cult of people that believes in the United States of America and her foundational principles. I will never allow someone to attack those. I will never allow someone to destroy those. I will never never allow someone to try and make those non-existent by turning us into a socialist or communist country in which they and their fellow elites would be the only ones in charge, removing liberty, removing opportunity from the American people in some sort of strange, obsessive chase for equity, which is not the same thing as equality. They want to put people on a list, and Anthony Gonzalez doesn't want to be on that list. He wants to be able to say, I've already been deprogrammed. I've already uh, broken away from the Trump cult. Look at me. I voted to impeach him. It's called CYA. It's called cover your own A. And that's what he he was all about when he made that vote. I'm going to share with you, in case you missed it, some of the interview that I did with Anthony Gonzalez on today's program while we also talk with our guests. And, of course, we listen to your calls, 216-901-0945 on AM1420, The Answer. We'll be right back. Okay, it is 926. 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110. Those numbers get you to the program. We're going to hopefully talk to Daniel Horowitz coming up after the bottom of the hour news for now. Let's get started with Menor, uh, with Jeff, rather, in Menor, rather than Menor in Jeff. Uh, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Jeff, go right ahead. Hey, Bob, I wanted to uh, talk to you about the uh, interview with Anthony Gonzalez. I, I think you got it really wrong here, Bob. I, uh, How's that? I, I think, you're, you, first of all, your, your argument about due process, impeachment is a political process. There is no due process. If the House wanted sure to there is. impeach... No, there isn't. It's in the Constitution. All it says. It's in the Constitution. It's in the Constitution that anyone who is accused of a crime, especially something as serious as inciting violence, uh, is entitled to due process to a uh, preliminary presentation of evidence yeah, uh, to it, see if it, a trial it, is warranted. No, 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 no. You said a crime. This isn't a crime. It is not criminal. There are no criminal statutes. The only repercussions is what is essentially a censure. And if it goes to the Senate, then he gets convicted. Congressional rules require that any House impeachment must have a hearing before it can be sent to the floor for a full impeachment vote. No such hearing was was held. There was a hearing. It was expedited. No, there wasn't. Jeff, Jeff, you could not be more wrong. You're making stories up here to defend your side. There was no hearing. If there would have been a hearing, the the president's... Hold on. If there would have been a hearing, Jeff... Jeff, Jeff, you, you you don't get to make up your own facts to support an indefensible side. Okay, Bob. Were here, any here. witnesses allowed to be called on behalf of the president and what happened on that day? Was the FBI called into a hearing to present what they knew about the plans for violence long before President Trump's speech ever began? Were any of those things done which would have impacted any one of those members of the House's decision to vote to impeach or not impeach? Was that hearing held, Jeff? 
He spent two months convincing the American public. Jeff, was that, that see, see, was see, this is, this is where you lose. The same way Anthony Gonzalez did. I'm asking you a direct question that requires a very simple yes or no answer. Was a hearing held to determine all of the facts of what led up to that riot, yes, uh, uh this week in the House of Representatives the before they held their Bob, vote? Is that, is that in the Constitution? It is in the congressional rules, Jeff. It is a constitutional principle, and it is a congressional rule. You cannot hold a vote, a full floor vote on impeachment until a, congr- rules, or a uh, committee hearing. We don't have the majority. You know why we don't have the majority? Jeff, because Jeff, Jeff. spent all of 20, 2020. Goodbye, Jeff. Thank on- you for the phone call. I appreciate it. You are not going to get any further with this line of, of uh, dishonesty than Anthony Gonzalez is. It is a congressional requirement. Do you understand that? A congressional requirement that a committee hearing be held to determine whether or not enough evidence exists to send an impeachment to the floor for a vote. To send articles of an impeachment to the floor, they have to first come out of a committee hearing. In that committee hearing, there is opportunity for those who have introduced the articles of impeachment to call witnesses and present evidence backing their claim. There is also opportunity for the accused, in this case President Trump, to present witnesses and evidence to refute or counter the claim. Once the evidence has all been considered... Then it goes to the floor for a vote. The only reason they waived that extraordinarily important uh, congressional requirement is because they knew it would take days to get witnesses and evidence lined up for such hearings to be held. And days go by, and suddenly we are at next Wednesday, January 20th, and he's already gone, and no impeachment vote can be held. You can hate Donald Trump all you want, Jeff. You cannot change the law. You cannot change congressional regulations, and you cannot change constitutional principles. And they were all violated in this mess. Now, you keep you go on back to fantasy land and let the rest of us deal with the truth on AM 1420, The Answer. <laughs> two sides to every story there's the mainstream media side and then there's the truth you are experiencing the truth the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer all right, 936 now. We do continue on AM 1420. The answer is I bring in my guest. I just want to read the specific rules and regulations of the Congress as it pertains to an impeachment. Uh, an impeachment is instituted by the House by the adoption of a resolution calling for a committee investigation of charges against the officer in question. Let me say that again. Calling for a committee investigation otherwise known as an evidentiary hearing, as witnesses and evidence can be presented either to um, prove impeachment and thus lead to a House impeachment vote to send it to the Senate for a trial or to disprove it. The committee may, after investigation, recommend the dismissal of charges or it may recommend impeachment. The House vote was held before any committee investigation was held, and that's why this is unconstitutional. It's why it is illegal. And which is why it was so disgusting to see 10 Republicans join. I expect illegality. 
I expect unconstitutionality from the liberal Democrats in the House. I do not expect it from the Republicans. And that's why the conversation with Anthony Gonzalez had to be held yesterday. All right, Daniel Horowitz is with us now. As mentioned, he is the senior editor at Conservative Review, also hosts Conservative Review podcast. Daniel, good to have you. How are you, sir? Great to be with you. It's been way too long. Yeah, it certainly has, and we've got so much ground to cover here. I, I wish I could do it all in one 10-minute interview, but we can't. Let me just start with that. Um, the, the biggest outrage of this impeachment to me is that they rushed it because they had to rush it. If they took the time to find out what the FBI knew about uh, these plan, this planned violence before Donald Trump ever gave a speech, it completely mitigates any allegation that he incited the riot and the violence by giving his speech. Um, all of this evidence was completely ignored because or they really didn't take time to consider it because they don't have time. If they don't get them out of there or get the impeachment done, rather, by Wednesday, January 20th, Daniel, then they can't do it. So they just completely abandon all constitutional principles in the interest of political retribution. Take it from there. Sure. Well, I think there's a couple things here. First of all, it's important to know there's a lot more than 14 Republicans that supported this. I actually wish there would have been more because then they wouldn't be undocumented traitors. They'd be documented um, a lot of them were too cowardly. I, I, I wish we would have a Republican caucus that the only problem we had was, you know, what is that, uh, 11% of them or so. It's a lot more than that. The rot runs much deeper. And in the Senate, it's really almost all of them, with the exception of a few. Now, a lot of them, a tremendous amount of them are up for re-election this time, so they're not going to do it. But that's the thing. Our voters should not be fooled. And I think just as a baseline... We should only support people in a primary if we affirmatively know they're with us, not the other way around. So just because they didn't vote for impeachment, that, that's a very extreme thing. doesn't mean they're good. Number two, um, look, this is not about process. Um, this is about the fact that they believe that our speech is violence and their violence is speech. That is what is going on in America today. The First Amendment doesn't exist um, the notion that you could even use the word impeachment for giving a rally speech, which was milder than anything every Democrat leader has said the last number of years, where they've directly used the violent terms and directly told um, their uh, constituents to physically confront and get in the faces of conservatives. Uh, this whole thing is insane. Um, you know, we're arguing the wrong points. This is not about process. This is a coup d'etat. If you want to know everything the left is planning, look at what they accuse us of doing. Um, you know, colluding with the Russians, turns out that them and the FBI, which is a terrorist organization, by the way, uh, they did the collusion the entire time. Um, we're, we're sacking democracy. They're the ones that are literally trying to remove a president. And by the way, they're the ones who suspended democracy for an entire year. We forgot about that. I mean, in your state in Ohio, you know what you guys should be talking about? You know who needs to be impeached? Mike DeWine. Um, there's something called life, liberty, and property. The First Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Fourteenth Amendment, closing businesses, bodily integrity, forcing people to wear a diaper on their face indefinitely. Um, that is a problem. And, and I think the, the real effort, you know, and, and, and again, I hate to get off on a tangent, but I think this is very true to what you're speaking about. Everyone's saying, look, we don't have control. The Democrats control everything. But you go to a state where you're from, okay? 
Republicans have larger majorities in the legislature than Democrats have in California. That state should be the conservative mirror image of California. That state should be a constitutional sanctuary for First Amendment, for businesses to open, for school children to go to school and not be abused. I mean, this should be a no-brainer. The problem problem with what you're arguing here... The, the problem with what you're arguing here is that you're correct when you say it as a larger Republican majority. It does not have a larger conservative majority. The Republicans exactly. in the Ohio State House, many of them are just absolutely spineless. They are weasels. They are rhinos. They do not take the Constitution and, 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 and all of and the things is, that you're talking about simp- seriously. And, and, Bob, this is why I wanted to tie it into the impeachment vote. My concern is that our people will be focused on that tiny percent that voted for impeachment. Now, they certainly need to go. But what I'm saying is the rot is much, much deeper than that. Most of them share the values of the left. They don't have a problem with the ballot harvesting. They don't have a problem with corona fascism, and in fact, they support it. I mean, I would challenge people to find a difference between Mike DeWine and Cuomo and Newsom on corona fascism. In fact, at least Cuomo is saying lockdowns were a mistake now. Um, DeWine is not. So what I'm saying is the problem runs much, much deeper than we even think it does. There's a lot of undocumented Democrats in this party who, you know, were too scared to vote for impeachment, but they really wanted to. Daniel Horowitz is my guest. Daniel is a senior editor at Conservative Review. Daniel, aside from the actual impeachment here, they they were also calling, they being the liberal Democrats, and I have no doubt there are probably some Republicans, rhino Republicans as well, calling for the removal of Ted Cruz and um, uh, Josh Hawley from the United States Senate for daring to stand there and give life to this notion that the election was stolen, which is what ticked off all of these people and made them rush the Capitol because they wanted to stand there on the floor of the Senate and ask for a 10-day uh, uh, period for an investigative body, a bipartisan investigative body, to at least audit the several states that are in question here. So they want them removed from power. I suspect, Daniel, and I want to know if you do too, that this is just the beginning of a purging of, Repu- of conservatives from the House and from the Senate, that they will move on, this, on, these, uh, on these public statements. I think it's worse than the public statements. I think we're at the cusp. If you watch very carefully the words that are being used and the actions that are being taken, we are at the cusp of DOJ coming in and designating certain people as terrorists and saying you can't run for office, um, disqualifying people from office. Uh, when you look at what's going on with the FBI hunting down people, and look, you and I are law and order people. Anyone who, who uh, assaulted, uh, stole, uh, engaged in vandalism, should be prosecuted and should serve more time than, frankly, the liberals would have people sit in jail. But, you know, when you start criminalizing just the presence being there, um, especially when a lot of them were let in by the police, when you start putting people on no-fly list without an indictment, and then you look at the contrast. I mean, the, when they start declaring an emergency and having 20,000 troops, when you have a static situation, right, it's not out of control. It was several hours, and that was it. Done. They got under control. Whereas with BLM, it was night after night, city after city, and D.C. as well, and it was totally out of control. And the more violence they fomented, the more those members indulged 
their views and said we need to address their grievances. So by that measure, there should not be a single Democrat eligible for office, not one, because all of them supported the issue. I mean, if we applied that standard, that wouldn't mean that no Democrat is ever able to advocate for so-called police reform or de-incarceration because from that movement grew out something that was much more ubiquitously violent. Um, I mean, more than 1,500 buildings were destroyed just in Minneapolis alone, $2 billion worth of damage just in the two weeks after May 26th alone, um, hundreds of people beaten and murdered. Uh, last year, there, were, there was an excess of at least 4,000 homicides as a result of the hands-off policing that they advocated for. So, I mean, mm-hmm. this is not coming from law and order that they're concerned about security or that there's a right-wing terrorist uh, looming at every corner. This is coming from a two-tiered, a sadistic two-tiered justice system that is turning into persecution. Let's talk, Daniel, about um, the the freedom of speech argument here. You you you, you mentioned, I think, correctly uh, that you can see them coming for people who say the wrong things, declaring them terrorists, and thus being unable to fly, unable to run for office, et cetera, et cetera. Um, one of the most egregious assaults on First Amendment and freedom of speech rights uh, happened with Parler last week. Now, you wrote about this. I want you to explain your 250-pound fighter needing a motorcycle gang to hold down the 100-pound opponent so he can beat her uh, more easily, because that's what was done to Parler. And moreover, Daniel, it was done to the tens of millions of users of Parler, most of them conservative, who now have no ability to compete in the on the internet, which should be regulated as a public broadcast network, um, in the way that their political political opponents can uh, can organize and uh, collude and coordinate online. Uh, these things are are extraordinarily important to our to our First Amendment rights. What say you? So I think there's two points. There's a political point, and then I want to make a legal point uh, for for a moment, and I think they're both important. Think about it. Just think about it for a moment. We get lost in the weeds, but I want everyone to just zoom out, you know, 50,000-foot view. They control every agency in government, regardless of who's president. I mean, we've learned that already. They they got it all. They got the FBI. They got every every department, federal, really state, too, including red states, and I know you see that in the – Ohio as well, like the health department, they control the media. They control academia. They control corporate America. I mean, there's not a single business that doesn't put out press releases on their things and certainly nothing when when the left gets violent. All big tech, science, pharma, every journal. I mean, we saw this with coronavirus. We couldn't get a single thing published. It had nothing to do with the election. People would write scholarly articles on lockdowns and masks, and every one of them would get banned. Every venue of information dissemination is controlled by the left. So the question you have to ask yourself is why would they feel the need to tamp down the last vestige of any bit of opposition? Like, what are they scared of? Um, it, would be, it would be the equivalent of the U.S. military scared of a Rwandan militia or something. You know what I mean? Like, what, what would they be scared of? Why are they so scared? Um, they, you know, are their views so fickle that they can't coexist with even a, a force online or, you know, in, in the culture that's one one millionth of the size of their force? And the answer is they can't 
Because just like a tiny crack of light in a dark room illuminates the room, so too a little bit of truth against the corrupt ruling elite completely destroys their lives. And they cannot, their, their stuff on lockdowns and masks cannot withstand a bit of scrutiny, anything. And that's what should scare everyone. That's how pathetic those people are. You know, you know how passionate I am. You hear it in my voice. Sure. I, I've, I share I've ridiculed, it. I've debated, but never in my life have I or really any of my colleagues ever called for the other side to be silent. Oh, my gosh, that can't be said. We'd say what you're saying is dangerous, where, where you're headed is dangerous. We wouldn't call on anyone to take down their posts because we felt they were so absurd we could debate them. This is what should scare everyone, even if you don't consider yourself a conservative. And just real briefly, on the legal point, people need to understand, this is part of the two-tier justice system that people are sick of. If we want to go back to 1789, when private enterprise is not regulated in a single way, let's do that. But we live in a time where businesses, you could be a mom-and-pop shop, not like a massive corporation, but a mom-and-pop shop when you are literally with your own hands baking a cake or you know, doing something, you have to do it for something that violates your conscience. We were told by the Supreme Court that Stormins, a pharmacy in Washington State, they had to stock their pharmacy with every type of abortifacient, even though you can get them within five miles. All the, you, you, could, you could find 99% of other bakers to bake the darn cake, right? But you must do that. You cannot deny service. That's what we were told. Now, now when, when, when you control what is the equivalent of, let's say, a monopoly getting a hold of all the roads on all the highways, somehow you could block anyone from entry, and that's okay. That's, that's, that's what we're up against. That's a good analogy, Daniel. I wish I had more time, but last thing, real quick. Twitter, Jack Dorsey was caught on tape by Project Veritas promising that political censorship is going to be, quote, much bigger than just one account, and of course that being Donald Trump's. They are going to go further in purging accounts that they don't like, giving speech that they don't like from their platform. You're still on Twitter. Are you worried about being canceled, or are you thinking about just saying, I'm getting out now? I'll probably be out within a few weeks, and I've been, it's a miracle I haven't been canceled, but they took away 20,000 followers, so I've been half canceled. Yeah, and I would tell you right away, just to get out, don't even support that platform anymore, but I don't have any any place to tell you to go because of what they've done to the their competition. They've destroyed their competition uh, in, in, in the most uh, egregious way possible. Violation of all kinds of antitrust laws and, and everything you just pointed out. Daniel Horwitz, keep up the good work. Uh, everybody needs to read Daniel at uh, Conservative Review. Uh, Daniel, thanks so much for the time. Take care. God bless. 9.52, the Bob France Authority continues. Yeah, the uh, last thing that I said to Daniel Horowitz there should be noted. Um, Twitter's suppression of speech of conservative-minded people is just beginning. They have already removed some 75,000 accounts of, of people that just don't strike the same political tone that they like. Uh, Twitter is, is you know, uh, obviously San Jose, California, Silicon Valley based. It's filled with a bunch of hippie doof, uh, doofuses, hipster doofuses who, uh, 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 you know, sit there in their little gaming rooms and they create all kinds of algorithms uh, in order to promote 
and to expand and to grow uh, the voices of socialists and communists and how they can tamp down the voices and the opinions of those who are, who are you know, uh, conservative patriots, quite frankly. This is what they do, and they have so much power. I said it before, and Dorsey said, he was caught on tape, as I mentioned, by a Silicon, or by a, a Project Veritas, beg your pardon, thanks to an alert Twitter employee who uh, essentially is a whistleblower and leaked this, this audio, in which he said, more are coming. This is going to be much bigger than just one account right now. It's going to go on for much longer than this day, this week, the next few weeks, going on beyond inauguration, he said. We have to expect that. They are literally planning to silence conservative voices. And if you think it's just online, you are mistaken because they are also calling for the cancellation of conservative cable talk shows. Yes, including those on Fox. There is now talk about what can we do now that we have the power in D.C. to get rid of stations that they say present misinformation and dangerous, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, speech. And that is to get rid of cable networks like Fox News. They're targeting them. This is, this is without question the gravest threat to free speech in this country we have ever, ever faced really, since we uh, formed this country. All right, John is in Garfield Heights. Hi, John, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hello, John. Okay, John, I'm going to come back to you because you're listening to the radio rather than the phone. Let's go to Bruce in Medina. Bruce, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Bruce, go ahead. Hey, Bob, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I uh, want to also thank you for coming out to McFan and uh, meeting with people from Plan and Flag while you were at McFan, but I... I, I, a friend of mine talked me into listening to your show after three months of talking to me. I, yesterday was my first time. Uh, fantastic show. I wanted to first of all talk about the D.C. trip. I was on it. I was on bus tw- uh, 212, the first bus out at 216 in the morning from Valley, uh, from Valley View. You couldn't have met mm-hmm. a nicer bunch of people. And to retract a little bit, the... Before we left, the Sunday before we left, we were warned Antifa was going to infiltrate us. Now, how did we know that on Sunday? And the FBI only knew the day before. Fast forward, they they don't talk about any of the people, uh, any of the good things at the uh, demonstration or protest, whatever you want to call it. I witnessed and I prayed with uh, Kirsten Hill and uh, a couple other women. They were saying the rosary. That never made the news. They, they didn't talk about the vast number of Chinese there that were protesting and the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, never made the news. I talked to these people, and they told me, this is, you know, we, we left China to get away from communism. The Vietnamese were there. And I said, okay, what's your deal? And they said, we're the pre-1975 Vietnamese. We know what communism did. We came here to get away from it. And, and none of that makes the news. I watched people singing, smiling. None of it ever made the news. Regarding Gonzalez, I voted for Anthony. I was very disappointed. I listened to his reasoning, and I said, I, I understood, like in a concept way, what he was saying, but I just felt it was so naive. And then with Renacy, he indicated, I, I don't have the exact words, but I'm paraphrasing, that he left Washington because of the political he left washington because he didn't get elected to the senate otherwise he'd be there 
I agree with you totally. We need conservatives, not Republicans, conservatives. So thanks a lot for taking the call. I just, you know, you those, got are, those are my fuse. Bert, I appreciate that, Bruce. I appreciate you becoming a new listener, and I hope you uh, come back and call us on a regular basis. You make a lot of very good points there. I could I could take issue a little bit with some of them, including Renacy, who left his seat in the uh, uh, in the House of Representatives voluntarily because he was going to run for Ohio governor. Then President Trump said, "Hey, we need you to run uh, against Sherrod Brown to win the Senate seat." So he did leave D.C. voluntarily. That part uh, I think needs some clarification. As for Anthony Gonzalez, I've got more on that after the news.